You are listening to the Robin of Sherwood podcast, season three, episode three, The Power of Albion. Hello and welcome everybody to the Robin of Sherwood podcast. It is a podcast about Robin of Sherwood, so that makes total sense. Uh, What I do here is uh, take an episode of Robin of Sherwood uh, and discuss it. And today I have a a brand new co-host to do that with and it's Gary Rhodes. So Gary, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for letting me on. Yeah, well, good to have you on. So um, to get things started, uh, what is your relationship with Robin of Sherwood? My relationship with Robin of Sherwood is pretty fast, Uh, basically. I'm a massive fan of it. I started watching it when it aired, remembered it. It didn't air again in England. It only aired the one time because of the some sort of weird contract. I got into it again when it came out on video in the UK in about 1990, and I got into it in a big way. I collected all the videos, went to conventions all through the 1990s, up to 2008 when I moved to Denmark. So. I was lucky enough to go to the 10th anniversary convention, the 20th anniversary and the 25th. Um, so I met most of the cast through that. I met some wonderful fans. The fans of Robin are really great people, um, really, really friendly, nice people. So it's always been there. It's always been something that I totally uh, got into. I went to the locations. Just everything you can imagine connected to it. So, 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 so you yeah. kind of ticked all the fandom boxes uh, right there. Oh yeah, I mean I was a major, well I'm a major Robin nerd. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Do you like other, other versions of the of the legend as well? Uh, like other TV series or the movies? or something? Um, I have seen most of them, I will say. But I don't think anything really compares. I mean the closest one I actually really came to really love recently is Robin and Marion with Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. I think that was the closest to Robin and Sherwood, but again, it's one movie. It doesn't have all the nuances of the series. They're coming up with a, with a new one this year, right? Oh, the yeah. One with uh, Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. Something yeah, I... new has been added. Yeah, I, I, I saw a trailer of it the other day. And it, it yeah. like they're making the bit of wow. like a heist movie. You have to do some kind of it robbery, looks, I think. It looks insane, man. Um, it has stuff like uh, crossbows that apparently shoot like machine guns. I don't know what the hell they were on when they made this thing. The thing is, when you're doing these things, and if you look at Robin or Sherwood, and why it works and why people still like it, they kind of played fast and loose with real history, but they kept it up to a point. They didn't go too far, you know? So, for example, the costumes in Robin are pretty stylized, but they, they look like they fit into the period. They're not like, they don't have tuxedos or stuff that they seem to do nowadays, like in the BBC one. They don't go to casinos. Like... <laughs> I think there's one thing I saw where the sheriff set up a casino in Nottingham in the BBC one or something. It was something bizarre. And this seems to be a trend to kind of modernize things too much. But there is a finite line. And if you cross it, it doesn't work. With Robin and Sherwood, I think they kept on that line, which is why we're still talking about it. And I think this new one kind of is, they can't even see the line there so far past it. So let's, let's stick to our all-time favorite Robin of Sherwood and have a look at yeah, let's go back. The Power of Albion. Um, yeah. This one right. kicks off with a nice little uh, montage of uh, the Mary's back edit. Like we see uh, Robin, Will and Nasir robbing a rich knight. Uh, we see them handing out money in the village. Uh, Robin performed some sort of magic trick with a coin to entertain the kids there. Um, we see them escape the sheriff's men, uh, rescue a guy that's whipped, uh, rescue a poacher that's about to lose his hand. And that last guy, the poacher, uh, then gets on his knees before Robin and says, God bless you, Robin Hood. I think that's a nice introduction just to sh- make clear that everything basically is back to normal after Robert of Huntingdon took over, right? 
I think it's a wonderful introduction. They seem so happy to be back at work, so to say. And it's great to see how Robert is kind of charming the villagers, and you see they're accepting him. Robin Hood is back, so he's re-inspiring them. So yeah, totally works. Yeah. The writing there is is great with the yeah. bless you Robin Hood and the way, and, the yeah, way you he kind of see him um, yeah. look a bit uncomfortable being called Robin Hood. I think that's a very important theme in this episode. It, it comes up over and over again. Um, yeah. Is he worthy already of being called Robin Hood? I think it's starting to dawn on Robert of Huntingdon exactly what he's got himself into. In some ways, he has to believe in himself even more. And yeah. and it, it is the theme of the episode is is like acceptance the whole time. Yeah. Then we see the the titles uh, rolling up. Uh, after that, there's an unknown man and a soldier riding. At that point, uh, we don't know exactly who they are. But Marion soon fills us in. Um, she's living at uh, Leaford Manor. Uh, has sent for Robin uh, to warn him that the sheriff has sent for a notorious uh, torturer called the King's Devil. So. Uh, mm. that's pretty clear that that's the guy that we've seen uh, uh, riding towards Nottingham. Uh, the sheriff wants to use his torture to unmask the mysterious hooded man that has uh, brought back the Marys. Of course, uh, Robin says he'll uh, he'll stop the torturer. But then there's something else. Marion uh, wants to present uh, Albion to Robert, uh, but he refuses. Um, this basically first scene after the introduction um, is the one that you picked to have listened to. Let's do that first. Albion. That was his sword. I want you to take it. No. It's yours, by right. Not yet. You're his successor. Hearn's son. I can't accept it. One day, perhaps, when I'm worthy of it. You are. Are my friends? Glad to be back in Sherwood. Tell them I miss them. Why won't you join us? I can't. My father gave his word when I was pardoned. But that pardon was bought. To save my life. Do you blame him? I'm his only child. But I never wanted it. Does he think it will protect you from the sheriff? I don't know what he thinks. But I know he fears that I'll return to Sherwood. You may be forced to. Yes. I know. You must go. He must be in love. There's so much going on in this scene, and it's so beautifully written. Good night, my lady. I mean, the way it's acted is fantastic. Both the actors really nail the emotions of those characters with Robert just not wanting to take Albion and Marion in a way not wanting him to take it because she has to kind of accept him as Robin Hood as well and I think I think that's something that's really hard for her I, I, I do really like this scene as well I thought um, Jason Connery was acting just a bit stiff in the beginning especially when it was about uh, uh, the king's <laughs> devil and the warning yeah, you know, we, we didn't I, just hear I that, but, but he said, oh, why did you send for me? It's like, it's not that convincing to me just yet. I think it's a, it's a kind of tough line to deliver, you know, because it's the opening line. Why did you send for me? Maybe another take would have done pretty well there. But, I mean, it is a nice scene, I think. And just, just the way it's working between the two of them, you really get into that sense of, of what's going to happen in the future. This sense of reluctance between the two of them to move forward. 
And one thing I noticed that I never noticed before watching these episodes in Series 3, if you look at all the Richard Carpenter episodes in Series 3, how much the ghost of Robin of Loxley moves through it. You, know? you don't notice it in the Horowitz episodes, but he's always kind of there as like a presence in the background. Richard Carpenter had a way of writing characters in these kind of scenes, and the only way I can think of to describe it is as emotional integrity. So the characters are really acting in a way that real people would act. And I think that's what really gives this show its uh, strength. I think that's why we're still watching it. Yeah, I, the I agree. I, I really like see. the moment where um, Marion asks how her friends are doing. And, uh, and you can see uh, Marion's face lighting up when just thinking yeah. about her friends and the life in Sherwood that she that has she's had lost. and they yeah, are having again. It kind of breaks the tension between them, you know, when she asks that. It's extremely well written and extremely well played, you know, by the two of them. And there is a really interesting moment, I thought, where Robert, they listen to a bird singing and he says he must be in love. This is a line. <laughs> if I can actually speak English. This is a line that Robin of Loxley originally had in Robin Hood and the Sorcerer when he first meets her. Now, they cut it out of the show, but I believe it's still in the book. So, I mean, it, it again, this idea of the ghost of Robin of Loxley, that he repeats the line that Robin originally said. Yeah. Is Robert of Huntington in some way possessed? by the spirit of Robin of Loxley, he can clearly channel him in some ways. Yeah. It's not something you see later on in the series. No, it, it, it fades out a bit, and I think it, it yeah. supposed to be, because at, at, at one point you have to stop uh, uh, dwelling on the past. But I'm, I'm very... Yeah, you have to move forward. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm very happy that they uh, took the time for it. I mean, they didn't start off the third season with an introduction as they did in The Power of Albion, where, oh, the band is back together, there's a new, new leader, everything is going fine. I, w I wouldn't have bought that. And now we've seen the events in Her Son, part one, part two. He is the new Robin Hood, but he's still struggling with it. He doesn't have Albion yet. He doesn't have uh, Marion uh, in, in the uh, gang back. So I think it's, it's, it's really good. And I think uh, Robert realizes that stuff like that, it doesn't just come with a job. He really no. has to earn it. He has to I, earn it. I like that. I was going to say as well, I like this idea that uh, Marion has a little spy network in Nottingham. And I think that would have made a great story. There's an extra of these spies all over. Yeah, and it, the fact that the sheriff... Is, it, is it a shame that she uh, joins uh, the outlaws in the force yes. already? Because they could have done interesting things with that, with her being like um, a fifth member of the Beatles kind of person who isn't actually <laughs> in the band, but she does very important stuff and maybe she gets some intel from the higher classes. And the, 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 it, yeah. it, it just gives a hint of how the, how the outlaws actually work in the forest and how they manage to survive with all these people who are giving them information. So after the scene, we see uh, Gisborne in the castle, who's uh, still convinced that Robert of Huntingdon is the new Robin Hood. Like Yay. we pointed out before, uh, he's totally right this time. The sheriff uh, doesn't believe him, uh, and also points out that it would be very unwise to accuse the son of an earl of such a thing, uh, unless they have absolute proof, and, well, they don't. Um, mm. But he's, uh, he has installed a man to keep an eye on uh, Leaford Manor, where uh, Marion lives. I like the idea as well that he has a cart that he just hides behind. <laughs> and doesn't kind of seem to do anything else. He's yeah. just got this little cart and he's, he sits behind yeah, the cart. Yeah, all day, every day. And, and then we cut back to um, Marion. And there's a very interesting moment there. Uh, she looks at Albion, um, yeah, the signs man. on it, and she wonders what, what it means. Well, she, she says it out loud, I think. And then uh, we hear Hearn's voice saying, Hearn's son is my master, I cannot slay him. And then I think for the very first time, Marion has a vision. She sees that uh, Robert is getting uh, shot in the leg uh, when they attack uh, the king's devil. That's, that's a very important moment, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, well, what it was apparently was that Kip Carpenter 
met Jason Connery and said he doesn't have that kind of, shall we say, fake quality that Michael Pride had. So it's a bit more difficult to write the kind of magical visions for him. So they kind of tried it with Marion instead to see how it worked. But I think this is this is the only time that they actually used it. I've seen Marion having um, like a, a real connection with Hearn before, been visited by, by Hearn and stuff like that. There's, yeah. In uh, Witch of Elston. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, she meets him in Enchantment. Yeah, that was kind of interesting, and it was an interesting way they shot it, where she's suddenly with them, and then back again at Leafhead. I thought, visually, that was really, uh, really well done, I thought. Yeah, it was very well done. Um, maybe it's a good time to mention that uh, this uh, episode has been uh, directed by uh, Jerry Mill. Yeah. It's, it's well, a different director. And, uh, yeah, he did a did a good job with uh, stuff he like did, that. He did he did a pretty good job. You can never rival stuff like Hearn's son, you know, from Robert Young, who had an incredible visual style. So it does look very different, and they probably shot this. Uh, they probably were shooting these episodes pretty quickly. They didn't have a lot of meeting time to prepare these things. So uh, considering that, he did a pretty good job. Um, but if you uh, have an eye for it, it's it's a completely different sort, this Albion, right? It's a new one, yeah. And for some reason, the cross guard is on the wrong way up. <laughs> I tend to notice these things because I like yeah. swords. So I kind of like the idea that Marion occasionally likes to take the sword apart and polish it and then puts it back together and then put it on wrong for some reason. <laughs> that would, that I'm would sorry. explain it, yeah. <laughs> I just love this idea that she's there like, oh, i got to oil the sword and, and she just does it wrong. But, I mean, one thing that I will say, uh, going a bit nerdy here, is it shows you the ruins of Albion. It's actually quite interesting to talk about those and the whole Hernson thing, because obviously if you try and literally, literally read the runes, you don't get that. But apparently what it is, to go back in time a few years, uh, many years ago, uh, Phil Rose turned up at a convention with five of the seven swords of Wayland and we auctioned them and I managed to get one. Um, so, yeah, and I, I knew a guy who was kind of... Uh, how can I describe him? Kind of a folklorist and very much into runes and stuff. And he said, send me a photo of the runes. I'm really interested in this stuff. Okay, he did that. And he wrote me like a letter explaining how the runes worked. And what he said was that each rune has its own magical property. So, like, you don't literally read them. You, read, you look at what all the properties are and then figure out what it's supposed to do. So, for example, on Solas, I remember, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it pretty much came down to it was like a protection spell kind of thing. And I'm guessing it's the same on Albion. Hernson is my master, I cannot slay him. It's, <laughs> it's quite a, a profound translation because it wouldn't actually say that. But it's just an interesting uh, nerdy thing. I really like the theme of uh, the sword being... Uh, like uh, acknowledging that uh, Robert is the new Robin Hood. I really like that. Yeah, what I don't really is... like about it is that they obviously invented the words on the sword and uh, I cannot slay uh, her son, um, that part. They obviously <laughs> invented that just to fit this story. Well, I mean, I mean it's we haven't pretty heard anything useless. about this in uh, yeah. the Swords of uh, Whalen episode, have we? No, and I think it's a pretty useless power, to be honest, because one sword can't kill him, but any other sword can. So you can imagine him in some kind of problem, and, they, and they've all got him, captured him, and they say, we're going to kill you now, do you have any last requests? And he might <laughs> yeah. say something like, oh, can you please kill me with my own sword? Yeah. <laughs> what a great idea, I'll do that. Yeah, it's, it, it's true. It, it's, it's only useful in a very, very specific situation, and it's, yeah, of course, that uh, situation pops up at the end of this episode. Can't wait to talk about that. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there at the, at the well, end. We'll get there, yeah. Yeah. So um, then we see that uh, what Marion has seen is actually real. Uh, it's, it's, it's happening at that moment. Uh, the marriage have stopped the king's devil and his uh, companion. Um, but Robin is seriously uh, injured. Uh, they throw the tools of the uh, torturer in, uh, in the water. 
I always, and when, yeah. when I watch this scene, I always think, why didn't they pick a place where the water was just a bit deeper? I, I actually was going to mention this. <laughs> I think, dudes, just find somewhere deeper or do, just throw it in the forest. No one's yeah. going to find it. I mean, it. this way, the first, first person who walks by pointless. thinks, oh, what's that yeah, sticking out of the water? Let out, me get that. And, yeah. yeah, but I mean, again, it's kind of a filming convenience, I guess. I imagine that Kip wrote, they just throw it in the water. And the director thought, okay, we'll literally do that without thinking it through. And you do see this in a lot of third series episodes, I guess, because they rushed it where it's just not thought out. Yeah, um, it's it, it clumsy. Yeah, because I guess because they're in a rush. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they do need to think a lot about what their strat strategies are for attacking people here, I think. And also, it's also a good idea if you to just check that everyone's dead before you leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. They should put it in like just, a... just as a matter of course. Yeah, like a, like a new policy. Just yeah. point, just one just... person. Maybe maybe Tuck would be a good one to do that. Check yeah, out. just, just Are they double dead? check. Yes, let's yeah. go. Because yeah, well, that's... we pretty soon see that uh, the King's Devil has survived the attack. And is making his way uh, to Nottingham Castle, but we also yeah. see a moment between Marion and her father, Sir Richard. Um, yeah. And he says that uh, Robin Hood, Hood is back with a vengeance, and uh, he literally uh, begs her not to join the outlaws again. He also feels that in her heart, Marion wants to go back and wants to join them again, and and that he'll lose her. And I, I actually, when you watch it, I love the look on Marion's face when he says Robin Hood is back with a vengeance. And you can see that it really hurts her. Yeah. How pained she is to, to hear that, you know? So, again, the ghost of Robin of Loxley. But, I mean, I feel kind of sorry for Sir Richard and Leaford because he, he obviously loves his daughter and he's so afraid for her. And he... He can't hold her, you know. She's just lost to him. And it's kind of, I kind of think, well, what would have happened to him in the future? Would we have had other storylines? Because there's obviously a plot line there that needs to be resolved. This relationship between this guy and his daughter. Yeah, true. But then again, they already have like a similar storyline between uh, Robert and his father. Robert and Maybe they don't want father. to yeah. bring so, up too many daddy I mean, issues in the, in the story. Yeah. I mean, maybe for series four or something, it would have been good. Um, so, meanwhile, um, the outlaws have traveled to uh, Wickham to ask uh, Old Peg for help. But they yeah. learned that she has died uh, a couple of months before that. So, there's a bit of a, a problem there. And by the way, it's a, it's a completely different Wickham than we've seen before. There, There's quite a lot of uh, wooden uh, cabins now, where uh, before uh, most of the huts yeah. were made of clay. So. Yeah, they've been to Ikea or yeah. something. <laughs> they have this whole uh, new look. It's probably more historically accurate, but I love the way it looks in series one and two. Yeah, well, I, I especially love the moment where um, uh, in uh, The Greatest Enemy, they, uh, they they make this hole through the wall, which you yeah. can obviously do uh, if the hut is made of clay, but... In a wooden cabinet, mm -hmm. it would be kind of tricky, quite, yeah. Quite, quite tricky to do that, so maybe that's to. why they did it. But um, I, I, I can pretty easily get past those kind of things. That the village yeah. is different, I mean, it's a different location, it's a different set. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks good. It still yeah. looks good. That's I mean, it changes every year, you know. Yeah. Well, it's maybe like, Edward just said, uh, like, uh, "Okay, guys, I'm bored. Let's <laughs> just walking around the same old village. Let's." Yeah, let's, you know, guys, let's cheer up. We'll redesign this thing. Yeah, maybe that's what they did. Or, or they had yeah. a fire. It could be as well. Anyway, um, much uh, wants to go to Marion for help because it uh, uh, became clear that uh, the arrow that hit Robin in the leg has been poisoned. Uh, Robert first won't, don't, doesn't want him to go there because he says uh, she might be watched even though uh, he himself visited her quite recently, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, he did it at night, though. Yeah. I did think it funny that she's looking for him outside the castle and he's already in it. And it, it's interesting as well that without without Robert, without their leader, the outlaws immediately falls into 
uh, bickering. Uh, in the end, um, they decide that the wound is so serious uh, and so dangerous that they uh, send much anyway. Uh, and then there's another very important moment um, because then it's the first time that Robert is being called Robin. Uh, it's John yeah. who says it by mm -hmm. accident, I think. I think it's very uh, fitting that it's John because he's so invested in their cause. And I, I think he's maybe subconsciously the first one to realize that Robin Hood is a, is a title, not a name. So I think it's, 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 a, it's a brilliant uh, scene. Also, the way they uh, react to it. Duck kind of makes yeah. an awkward face and then John uh, seems a bit shaken by his own mistake and he gets a pat on the back from Will. I really, really love the way they did it. There's no one else who could have done that. It had to be the little John, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the way they interact, the way they support each other in that is just great. You know, again, great acting and writing. So uh, uh, much goes to Leeford Manor. Uh, Marion, of course, already knows what's been uh, going on because of the vision uh, that she had. Um, the sheriff uh, spies. Uh, the sheriff's spy uh, sees much Marion uh, leave and uh, follows them. Luckily, much Marion realizes that they are being followed. Um, but then the man trips and falls in the water very near to Nickham, uh, Wickham, and it turns out that he broke his neck and is uh, is dead. And that's one more problem for the villagers because uh, they would be accused of murder. Edward uh, realizes that pretty pretty quickly, so they decide to get rid of the body and hide it deep in the forest. There's this nice interaction between Edward and and Will, where Edward says, "Well, we can't uh, bury him after dark. It's bad luck." And then Will says, "Well, I think he's had uh, he's had his bad luck." Yeah, <laughs> it's, kind of a, it's a good a line. Funny dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Work and it's it's nice to see Edward back and back in the mix again. Yeah, he's, he's so he has a lot more to do this year. Yeah, he becomes a pretty yeah. important character. Pretty much like I, 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 I do have a bit of a man. problem with their ties to Wickham because we've seen this uh, pop up earlier as well when they uh, use the villagers as uh, bait in the greatest enemy. Then after that. The sheriff seems to be uh, seems to have forgotten about that, um, and it happens here again because uh, well later on the uh, Marys they free the villagers and Wick and uh, Edward, and the sheriff says well oh no they're free well nothing I can do about it well in fact he could easily go to the village and round them all up again. Oh yeah, I mean this is a major problem for yeah. this show. <laughs> I mean, why he doesn't just do that? And I think it, the only reason I can probably think of is that the reprisals from the outlaws would be extreme. So it's kind of like, okay, well, we'll just we'll just leave this as it is. We know Edwards in league with them, and if need be, we'll pull him in and find information from him. Yeah, uh, I, th I think it's it's, 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 it's kind a little of bit problematic because the gang of outlaws work so good because they're like they they don't have many ties, so they're really that is partly what keeps them alive is that they don't have these uh, ties to places or yeah right um, shall we say um, um, so Edward is like collateral for the outlaws, but he's really the only one, and I guess if they lost him, then they would take reprisals against the sheriff yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. So it's kind of maintaining the status quo, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's as fans, we sometimes try and justify plot points that the writers or whatever never thought of, and it's kind of a funny thing to do. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we kind of like, we can explain this mistake you've made, and it works. Yeah. Um, and the writers are kind of like, hey, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought of that. That's exactly yeah. what I meant. I'm glad you uh, you saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, Marion sees Robin and um, she does her, her best to heal him. Uh, she tells yeah. uh, Will and John that he absolutely can't be moved for several days because he got a he's got a fever. Uh, mm, yeah. And then there's another um, interesting interaction between Marion and Robin when they are alone. Uh, they have a conversation about how the villagers call him Robin Hood now. Um, 
And then Robert uh, says something very important. Uh, I never wanted that to happen. And, uh, mm. and what makes it so good is his absolute reluctance. I mean, think how much he's giving up here. He's giving up like a life of luxury for this. And he's, I guess he is at times filled with self-doubt, which, which makes him again a perfect hero. You don't want someone who's absolutely, totally com. So, I mean, it's one of those little scenes. It's a little scene, but it's so important and it's so well done. Yeah. So at that moment, uh, the sheriff Gisburn and a couple of soldiers uh, show up. They're out uh, hunting with a falcon. Uh, we've seen that falcon before, by the way. I thought maybe birds are a bit of a thing in this episode. We've seen, uh, uh, you, like you said, uh, we've, oh, we've yeah. seen the bo- uh, bird. He must be enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and of course, uh, um, the sheriff, uh, bird of choice, is a, is a falcon. And um, they run into the villagers that have set out to get rid of the body of the spy. And yeah, so they they're have called to. red-handed here. <laughs> I always like, there's a line in it where they can't find the bird. And Gisborne says, you've made him do too much. And I think I always tend to think, is this like subtext? Here is Gisborne kind of talking about himself here, the way the sheriff's talking to him and treats him. And when you think of what happens later on in the series in the last episode. Uh, I think it's yeah. in the same uh, uh, scene where uh, the sheriff uh, hears the bell of the bird and Gisborne yeah. doesn't. And he just simply calls him a, like a, a deaf death idiot, idiot, something like that. Yeah, and you kind of think, my God, I can really understand why this guy is so... No pun intended, this guy is so angry and frustrated working with uh, Robert DiRano. Yeah, worst uh, employer ever. Worst boss ever. It's yeah. the worst version of The Apprentice you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, he really does suffer. Yeah. So, um, um, they round up the villagers and um, uh, Robin is, is, is doing uh, worse and worse, but still um, they make their escape just, just in time. Um, they hide in the forest and then Hearn shows up and yeah. um, this time uh, without his mask I always like that when he's just as a, as a person he and he's just a man yeah 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 and uh, he sends away the other Marys and uh, uh, tells them to uh, escort Marion home and then he uh, warns kind of warns uh, Robert he says your enemies have Albion before long you will learn his mystery and then he puts yeah. Robert uh, to sleep and um, during that sleep he almost completely heals why didn't Hearn show up earlier they didn't have to go to the village they uh, didn't have to go to uh, to fetch Marion just help <laughs> oh, out your the, son man the Hearn problem yeah Hearn is one of those characters that is brilliant in concept you know but very very hard to write he's just really difficult I think, and I think even Kip Carpenter had trouble writing him and how to use him. But the concept is brilliant. And what I find funny with Hearn as a character is that he's he's always so direct and to the point, you know. You, he never has a normal conversation with anyone. You kind of wonder, well, has he got a bit of Asperger's or something? I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't introduce himself. He doesn't say, how are you? How are you doing or anything? He's no just small straight. Talk no small talk. I think there is a problem with the structure in this episode that we already know what the sword does, but it's kind of um, you're waiting for Robert of Huntington to catch up, whereas it should have really been revealed at the end. So when he says, like, um, soon you'll learn its uh, mystery or whatever he says, we already know. So it's a structural problem, maybe in the editing. It's kind of like in Empire Strikes Back is brilliant because you don't know Yoda is Yoda until he says so. But once you've seen the prequels, you know, when you're waiting for Luke to be told, you're just waiting for him to catch up. It's the same kind of problem. Um, I'm also a Star Wars nerd, so if I reference that, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah. We can uh, reference whatever we like. I've um, oh, read in the, in the Andrew Orton book, uh, The Hooded Man, which are um, yeah. excellent books, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, he, right. He draws a, um, a parallel between uh, Robert of Huntingdon and his secret identity uh, as Robin Hood. 
and the other way mm-hmm. around. Um, and characters like uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, and well, I'm I'm a kind of kind of a, a, a superhero nerd as well. So ah. I really love that that reference. We have a lot in common. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the cool thing about it, I was thinking about that. That um, uh, it works both ways. I mean, in the beginning, he's Robert of Huntingdon, and uh, yeah. Robert is his secret identity, just as. Um, uh, uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne and Batman is his secret identity. But uh, at the end, it, it kind of flips because then he is Robin Hood and he uses Robert of Huntingdon as his like, a secret yeah, identity. Yeah, and that, that works fantastically yeah, that's, that's great. Think, in this episode. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But there's more a, a trouble um, than just uh, Robert being, being hurt. That, that yeah. is kind of taken it's- care of by Hearn. Uh, but when Marion returns to her chamber, the sheriff and Gisburn are there. Uh, they've found Albion, and they take Marion to Nottingham Castle. To get her out of trouble, Sir Richard once again turns to the Marys. And uh, when they hear that Marion's life is in danger, uh, also once again, uh, Will and John have an argument. Uh, but then there's a great little moment <laughs> when Much is the one to intervene. And uh, he's, he's pointing out that argu- arguing won't help them. And they listen to that. So that's that is something good. for the growth of... Of, of much as a character. Oh, I love much. Yeah. I think he's such a great character. Peter Llewellyn Williams really nailed this part, you know. But it's nice in the third year we do get that um, character development and they listen to him more. So then uh, Robin shows up almost completely healed, thanks to his uh, magical sleep. And um, yeah, very useful. Yeah, and also um, he's got a he's got a plan. Uh, he says that he will go to Nottingham Castle as Robert of Huntingdon. Uh, but yeah. then, as, uh, as viewers, we are reminded that uh, the King's Devil is still making his way to the castle too. And uh, he's the one that could blow Robin's cover. So that ad- adds a lot of suspense, I think. Oh, yeah. I like Robert's cunning plan. I think it's excellent plan. And the way it's written and the way it plays out is just great. The speed of the episode. The episode suddenly seems to speed up in terms of plot. Everything's coming together now. And the, the pacing just goes, you know, so much faster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, well, almost the very next scene, uh, Robert is already uh, uh, in the castle. He's uh, uh, wearing his um, Earl's son costume, I suppose. Um, and he comes in at a very interesting moment um, because the sheriff wants Marion uh, to tell him who the hooded man is and then she says uh, his name is robin hood very clever line <laughs> by marion <laughs> you devious drab it's so well delivered yeah, and at that exact moment uh, robert walks into the room i really like that. yeah it's a brilliant introduction it really is you know one thing i noticed about this that struck me funny i don't know if it's the budget or whatever but in this scene between him and the sheriff, there's lots of great stuff. But they seem to have, like, put picnic tables in Nottingham Castle for some reason. Really? And it's kind of, yeah, and it's kind of, I was kind of looking at it, and this is a problem with Blu-ray, because you tend to notice things, you can see it in HD. And I was thinking, hmm, Direno's got a great idea here, you know? Obviously, a great money-making scheme. We'll rent the hall out to, like, people. They can have meals here. It's a great idea. But it looks kind of funny when you notice it, you know? And there's also, like, works fine because in one shot there's a paper cup. So maybe I am really onto this idea that they've sort of turned it into some kind of makeshift cafe or restaurant. I don't know. But... (laughs) But, but yeah, apart from these little um, errors that are in there, uh, I, I really love this scene, uh, and especially the yeah. way uh, Robert charms the sheriff and wins yeah, him over, he, gains his trust really, really, really and, quickly. And you see a new side of Robert DiRenno as well, where he's actually really sociable and a really friendly, funny guy, you know? And Robin starts telling him jokes. Yeah. I kind of wish they'd expanded that and had more jokes. Like, um, they could do a joke like two jesters are reading a clown and one turns to the other and says, does this taste funny to you? Or something, you know, lots of just jokes. Yeah. But they only did the one joke. 
but it, it really works, you know, and you see how the characters work, and Gisborne is kind of left out on his own on the other side yeah, of the table. And, uh, and the sheriff actually listens to Robert because he advises him yeah, to throw him in the dungeons, and he yeah, immediately does so. He sees him as like a person he can use to gain more power, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh great, I've got the Earl of Huntington's son here, one of the most powerful men in England. His son is here. I charm him. We can be best buddies and. This is great, you know. You yeah. see a different side to the sheriff we've never seen before. Yeah, true. No? So, yeah. And, um, uh, in the dungeon, uh, yeah, uh, Marion meets see. Edward and uh, the old man and uh, Arthur, his rat. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's great to see them again. I think it's... it's Stuart Linden. Yeah, it's, it's kind of important guy. as well because this reminds us to the fact that, okay, there's a new Robin Hood, but it's still the same series. It's still the same... Yeah. Movie world and some things are still are still there like the like the guy in the dungeon he plays a lovely part and apparently in series four he was going to have a bigger part you know they were going to give him an episode or something and they didn't do it of course because he didn't go to series four but that would have been really fun i think yeah. really fun to see yeah. and Stuart linden as a I mean, I met him quite a few times, you know, at various conventions in the 1990s and early 2000s, and just a lovely person, really nice guy. So, um, at the picnic table, uh, Robert comes up with a plan uh, to use uh, the prisoners as bait. And uh, so he, uh, he wants to transport them to, uh, to Newark and, and then uh, wait for the outlaws to try and rescue them and then, then ambush the outlaws. Uh, but of course, um, they are in on the plan. So we see them overpower the woodsman. Um, even much uh, takes one down. So again, we see how much he, uh, he has matured. Uh, you then they, of course, usually yeah. capture Robert and uh, they, uh, they want to trade him for the prisoners. Yeah. And there are some wonderfully bad stunt doubles here that leap out of the trees as uh, Will and Nazir. Which again on Blu-ray you can really notice, and it was nice to see the uh, the return of the leaves that they cover themselves with on yeah. Little John, because I kind of missed that. I thought that looked great in the very first episode, and as I recall, they never used it again after that. But visually, it was great. Luckily, the sheriff doesn't think it's suspicious that uh, Little John is the one uh, shouting at him. I think if you look at Direno's character, it's just impossible for him to imagine that someone like the Earl of Huntington's son would give up any kind of riches to become Robin Hood. Yeah. I think it's just inconceivable for him that that would happen at all. Yeah. So you can understand why he's kind of like, no, 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 this is, no, this is really happening. He's not Robin Hood. He can't be Robin Hood. So, so they make the trade. Uh, <laughs> makes a uh, Robert of Huntingdon for Marion and the villagers. Uh, in passing by, uh, Marion says um, to Robert that uh, the sheriff has Albion. Again, maybe it's a bit too obvious uh, yeah. what's going to it be next. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, well, like you said, the um, uh, climax we all saw coming actually happens. Uh, uh, Robert, uh, the sheriff, and Gisborne talk about their failed plan. Uh, first, Robert uh, uh, says that he will stay in the castle until Robin Hood has been captured. But the sheriff obviously do doesn't want him to stay. He wants to send him back home to his father, so he won't be a burden anymore. Uh, so everything seems to be going very smoothly, but then the king's devil shows up. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, right there before is. Robert takes off, Gisborne draws his sword. And we get a we get a great sword fight here. Yeah. And those guys, I was uh, they really throw themselves into it. Um, Robert, Hardy, and Jason Connery really go at each other here. It's one of those great fights, you know. Yeah, very well done. Very well directed as well, I think. Yeah, I think Terry Walsh was a great uh, stunt coordinator for the show. If you look at it all, he really. Uh, he really managed to make it look good. And he always used to, one of the things he always used to say, what he liked about Robin Sherwood was that they could actually, they filmed the fights so that you could actually see them, you know? And in his later work, 
he said he'd complain because they'd choreograph this fight and they'd spend ages doing it and then the director would put the camera right in the actors faces and you couldn't see the fight at all <laughs> which is kind of a modern thing and he used to say they could just be standing there waving the sword at anything you couldn't yeah. see <laughs> so in Robin Sherwood you can really see the fights and you can yeah. see how great the actors must have been to do it and how much effort they used to put into these things so yeah it's it's really good, yeah, I thought. It is. And at, uh, at one point, uh, Gisborne loses his sword, and so he picks yeah. up Albion from the table. So there you have it, oh, a yeah. very specific moment where um, the power of Albion uh, comes in very handy because he yeah. overpowers uh, Robert, and uh, just when he wants to strike, uh, he, he can't do it. And uh, <laughs> Gisborne drops the sword, yeah. Robert picks it up, steals a horse, and uh, rides off to safety. Have you ever seen, um, there's a film with George Seagal called The Zany Adventures of Robin Hood. And I think it, there's a great moment where he hits um, one of these guards in the stomach. And then he basically breaks his hand and he says to one of the outlaws, his outlaws, he says, never, ever hit a man in the stomach when he's wearing chainmail. And um, of course, in Robin of Sherwood, Robert hits the guy in the stomach jumps on the horse and rides off and i always yeah. think of that scene in that oh. that parody film where he says that never hit a guy in the stomach when he's wearing chainmail and he could have said to gisborne uh, never ever try to slay Hearn's son with albion yeah because now i know what it does in the forest uh, the mares uh, uh, are handing edward of wickham uh, some money uh, when robert shows up well, this final scene is the one that I have chosen to uh, to listen to. Awesome. It's Robin! What's up? Gisborne knows. And the sheriff. How? The torturer, the one in the cart. He survived. He came to the castle. So you won't be Robert to Huntingdon anymore? Not to anyone? No. Not even to my father. I'm staying in Sherwood too. Welcome back, little flower. His sword. Albion. Saved my life. Hearn's son is my master. I cannot slay him. Albion is yours now. You must take it. Yeah, and what, what I really like about this scene is that so many loose ends are tied up. Uh, Much calls uh, Robert Robin, and he really is now. I mean, it's not awkward anymore. Uh, Marion has returned uh, to the gang. Albion is truly Robin's now. To help the weak, defend the helpless, and fight against tyranny. Robin of the Hood, so must it be. So must it be. So must it be. I kind of, there's so much to like in this final scene. I love the way that Marion and Tuck look at each other briefly because they have this kind of all the way through the series I think they took is almost like her big brother you know he's watching out for them the whole time when he's the chaplain in Nottingham in the first series and then in the forest it's like they have this kind of brother and sister almost relationship the only one I have trouble with is much you see because Robin of Loxley was his brother, and he, and they loved each other. So I kind of wanted a scene where Robert of Huntingdon says, you know, I can never replace your brother, but, and Much yeah. says, I accept you as Robin Hood. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I think that would have been... You're totally right, but I think um, he already has that problem with Marion. Yeah. He has to say, you I don't, don't want, want to uh, replace your uh, late husband. And that's yeah. why I like the fact that uh, Mike just calls that. out Robin, and that way we 
of or we, we get to feel it and we realize that he accepts him now. Right. Yeah, I get that. It does work as it stands. But I mean as a as a personal thing. I like the idea of this episode is really about acceptance, you know. It's all about acceptance. So Robert accepts his role as Robin Hood and the outlaws accept him as their leader, as Robin Hood. The sheriff has a problem. He can't accept the idea of Robert of Huntingdon as Robin Hood, or even that Gisborne is right, so he's, he can't accept it. It's nice to see her at the end and give a reminder of what the show is now going to be about. Yeah. So he says, uh, you're Robin Hood now. And it's a nice... Um, Call back to Robin Hood and the Sorcerer when, with the So Must It Be thing. That brings uh, yeah. this episode to an end. Uh, actually, all we have to do now is uh, award this episode uh, one to five arrows. Ooh, How yeah. Score this one. I was really. I hadn't seen this episode in a while, but I, I watched it a couple of times to do this. And I really thought it was pretty good. You know? So I'm going to give it four out of five. Yeah, as I as I said, I mean, I have a problem with the Albion thing. Yeah, yeah, being I, I just like that, that. That's, that's the weak. But the weak yeah, that's the weakest in, link here. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, it's kind, kind of, of a, kind of a special episode because, in a way, you could see this as Hernson Part Three almost. It's like an like yeah. an appendix because there's so much been uh, going on from Hernson. Like uh, yeah. the quest of Gisburn trying to unmask Robert of Huntingdon, um, Marion not returning to the gang just yet. So it's yeah. it's an interesting uh, third episode, I think. But it, it but works I, pretty well. And I, I think agree with you on yeah. four arrows. So that yeah. makes it an uh, average of uh, four out of five, which makes it a pretty solid one, I suppose. I think it's pretty solid. I think it's a great way to just get everyone where they need to be. All the pieces are in place and now we can get on with the rest of the series and get back to to robbing the rich and helping the poor. And the next one will be The Inheritance. Um, for now, I'd want to thank you, uh, Gary, for, uh, for helping me out with the podcast. And yep, I've had a blast doing this. It's been great fun. Uh, I always... Uh, want to thank uh, Bram Brouwers, a Dutch musician who has uh, played our theme uh, music uh, you're hearing in the background right now. Also, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. Uh, if you want to uh, add something to the conversation, uh, just send us an email uh, on uh, sherwoodpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and that would be on facebook.com slash sherwoodpodcast. For now, thank you for listening and may Hearn protect you. You agreed to it. You did, not me. You had plenty of chances Because you never listen, never! Arguing won't help Marion, will it? Hey! Hey!